Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. And welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, probably presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have a legend in comedy and theater, David Allen Greer. He spent four seasons on the iconic TV show In Living Color and has appeared in classics like Boomerang, Jumanji, and A Different World. Coming up, I talked to David Allen Greer about winning a Tony Award, his experiences on In Living Color, and what it was like for him growing up in my hometown, Detroit. Up next, David Allen Greer. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You know the rules. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. What was your favorite episode? Who was your favorite guest? What was your favorite theme? We do these things like books. Intros, outros, we have a guest, gone in 60 seconds. And it's because of you, the Renaissance Man has become one of the top podcasts in the entertainment space. I'm forever grateful for your support, but don't just stop there. Turn a friend on to the show. Give them some of this good old-fashioned soul food that we be spitting on this show. Because I tell you, 2022 is going to be a special year. Special guests, special topics. I'm actually so very excited to have you as supporters. This week's theme is keep them laughing. They say laughter is the best medicine. And after the past two years that we've had collectively, we could use a remedy. A study from the Mayo Clinic found, and catch this, that laughter reduces levels of stress hormones like cortisol and increases the level of health-enhancing hormones like endorphins. I challenge you to start changing your perspective and learning how to laugh at life. Yeah, that's going to include laughing at yourself. Get in the habit of seeing the humor in everyday situations. Say you spill your coffee, or your kids stress you out, 
Think about what parts of your current situation will be funny later and enjoy the humor in the now. When you're down about a loss, think about the parts of that person or journey you enjoyed the most. It's not making difficult things funny or ignoring pain and suffering, but allowing ourselves to see the lighter side of life more often. So here's the remedy. Watch some old stand-up comedy specials. Look at memes. Call your friend from college and laugh about old times. And say you happen to be walking down the street and you stumble a little bit. Take a breath and think to yourself, I said I'd take more trips this year. But damn. (laughs) See if it makes you feel any better. I strongly believe we can make the world a tiny bit better by bringing light and laughter to others and finding joy within ourselves. My next guest knows all about that. David Allen Greer is a comedy legend. He spent four years on the iconic television show In Living Color. He's also appeared in classics like Boomerang, Jumanji, and A Different World. Coming up, I talked to David Allen Greer about winning a Tony Award, his experiences on Living Color, and what it was like for him growing up in our hometown of Detroit. Up next, David Allen Greer. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Our next guest is a legend. David Allen Greer has had iconic roles in movies and TV shows such as Boomerang, In Living Color, Jumanji, and The Carmichael Show. He's a successful stand-up comedian, every late night show's favorite guest, and this year, my brother won a Tony Award for the best feature actor to play in his role as Waters in a soldier's play. It's an honor, my brother, to have you on the program. Please welcome David Allen Greer to the show. How you doing? I've been a big fan of yours. You know how we kick it. Uh, and Jacoby is my go-to. It is my must. It is my everyday diet. So love you guys. First of all, before we kick off, I need to interview you, brother. You <laughs> from the Middle East? Yes, I did. Oh, and, uh, Middle I did, man. Little kid from Detroit, gotten a chance to go over there. And it was incredible to just learn about a new culture. You know, like being from Michigan, we're exposed to the to the Muslim and the Arab culture because that's a primary uh, home here in Detroit. So it was a great opportunity. You know that Dearborn, I don't know if it's current, at one time had the highest, I think it was, was it Iraqi American community, the largest community in the country in Detroit. And what happened in the nineties is the sons and daughters of these immigrants, it was Detroit. So the kids got into hip hop, yet all of these classically trained 
Iraqi musicians who were their parents, their uncles, their aunts had flooded in and migrated to that area. And it was a strange mix. It was Detroit had its own sound. It was like it wasn't house. It was jungle house, uh, Middle Eastern flavored craziness. It was wild. That's what I was going to ask you. What was it like growing up in Detroit for you? And did you always know you wanted to act? To act. Well, first of all, I, I, I'm going to say I'm a generation before you about I'm 65. So I grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I grew up prime Motown era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought Detroit was next to New York or Paris. I mean, we had everything. We had the car industry. We had the hottest, the baddest uh, music coming out of Detroit. Um, we used to go to the Motown Review, WCHB, all of that. And uh, experiencing as a kid, uh, I just bought uh, a vintage poster from the 1963 March, um, Martin Luther King Jr. It was called The Walk to Freedom. And I found a vintage poster. You know, my whole family marched that day. So those were my memories of Detroit. Of course, tinged with that was the riot in 67 and the city going through turmoil and but that's my home you know sticking with it I always came back and tried to give back to my alma mater Cass Tech and I went to University of Michigan and mostly the people the people haven't changed you know the bricks the martyr may be shiny it may be rusty but at the heart of the cities of people they're always there so absolutely and for you like um, you your career has spent 40 mm-hmm. years i can't believe you say that right, again right. like 40 years brother you've been on broadway done comedy done television shows like like you're a legend like have you always been funny did you have to study improv Bro, I'll put it like this. I hate when black folks say this. You know, I've been acting my whole life. <laughs> but Schultz Elementary School, Mrs. Van Otten, I must have been in fourth grade. I was a mess, man. She kicked me out. Now, you know, a class period is 40 minutes. I remember this one day she kicked me out 40. No, she kicked me out four times. So that's one every 10 minutes. She let me back in and I would just start acting stupid. Now, this was a time where people, our teachers, we would get paddled, hit, hit you upside the head, smack you. Miss Van Ott never hit me. She never put hands on me because I think she liked me, but she couldn't stand me. I'd be having kids laughing and stuff. So it was natural progression if you really think about it. I was and by the clown. way, like you being a class clown snowballed into you being a part of the iconic living color. Like that to me, uh, for for the history of comedy and skits and creativity and like so many collection, a collection of very talented human beings that like everything you guys have done has been cherry picked from that show. And so what are some of your favorite memories of the show? And what was it like taping that show with the Wayans? Well, you know, I met Keenan. And, and Damon, I heard about the the, uh, the family through Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend and I were in Soldier's Story, the movie, and he and I shared a honey wagon. It was like this little mobile dressing room. So the first day I met him, and Robert and I's connection, like he's like one of those dudes, you meet him, 
And it was like, we'd known each other forever. We were instant best friends. And he was telling all these jokes. He just had me rolling and crying. I'd never seen anybody as brilliantly funny. And I was like, oh my God. So halfway through that first day, he said, actually, those are my boys' jokes. I said, who's your boy? He said, Damon Wayans. He was doing Mo Money, Mo Money. He was doing all that. Antoine, mm-hmm. you know, Robert was doing all that. And then he started talking about Keenan. I said, well, who's Keenan? He said, that was, that was his brother. And how they were going to start this movie company, and they had scripts, and they had all kinds of stuff. We said, man, when you come out to LA, I was living in Detroit, I mean, in New York then. He said, we want you to be down. And I was like, these dudes are crazy. So that's really how I met the Wayans. So when I came into that pilot season, I met Kim, I met Damon, I met Keenan. By the way, Damon always had kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, who are you looking at? <laughs> Back then, he looked like Marlon. He was real skinny. He was real skinny. Dang was real skinny. And I saw these dudes. So we would hang out. I was not a comic then, man. You know, back then, my dream was to, I wanted to be a doctor on TV, you know, a lawyer on like, you know, when those lawyers shows. Leroy, come here. Can you make this case? Yes, I'll do. Mr. Rose, have a seat. You right. know, that was my thing, but he Get said- syndicated beyond forever. Yeah, but, <laughs> man, but, but Kenan sat me down, he said, man, nobody knows how funny you are. I want you to do this show, man. And my agents didn't want me to do it. They were like, hey, why you wanna be on a show with a bunch of other black folks, there's crabs in the bill? No, we ain't not gonna do this. And so I auditioned that year for, it must've been 30 pilots, mm. all kind of stuff. I didn't get none of them. So finally at the end of the year, I went back to my agents and I just said, oh, we're gonna make this deal. Cause I knew all my friends were on In Living Color. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, but you're not gonna make any money. And you know, all this stuff. I said, I don't care. I want you to make this deal. So I was still in New York. We, we did the pilot and um, that's my dog. And that's really what happened. And I went back because the pilot was done a year before we got picked up mm-hmm. and we were waiting. And uh, before the pilot, I had gone back to New York and I'd said no three times. To, I just said no. And Kim Wayans called me and she, she, it was like an intervention, a pep talk, everything. She said, this is the wrong decision. You are making a wrong turn in your life. You gotta kind of do this show. And she talked me into it. And I finally said yes. And that changed everything. It really did. I often talk about being a stand-up comic is like the toughest profession. I've added, I've asked Ada Rodriguez about this. Neil Brennan has always been has been on the show to walk into a room of strangers and to get the pulse of a room and make them laugh to me is like a phenomenal feat. So talk to me about like being in a room when you feel like everything is landing and obviously the times where you feel like things weren't landing and how you recovered from that. Well, one of the most interesting times, this is when Living Color was really big and I played in this club in New Jersey. It was packed. And so when I came out, I hit the mic. This dude all the way in the back said, it was like he was yelling in my ear, we don't want nothing we can get for free. <laughs> So that cut through everything. It was total silence because that told me right there, 
you know, you're gonna have to come with some new stuff. We don't want just the sketches that you do on TV. And in that moment, I kind of threw all that stuff out and I just had to become new and fresh. You know, I uh, probably the most bizarre feeling was going back to Detroit that first time and headlining at the Fox Theater. Mm. And that's where the Motown Review was. Yeah. That was, it was a sister theater in, I think, St. Louis. These were a palace. This is a really amazing. It was a Michigan theater, the United Artists. You know, when I was a kid, we'd go down. And so here I was back in Detroit at this theater. I went in my dressing room and Aretha Franklin had sent the biggest bouquet of roses. And let me just speak for a minute on Please do. Was such a queen, and she always reached out and reached back and reached down to give me love and um, just shower me. I mean, you know, with as a fan and as a mentor uh, and encouragement. Just you know, I've been watching you. I didn't even thought she knew me, and she's like, "Yes, man." And we'd come and visit. And she would come and see me. Whenever I did a play on Broadway, she would come and see me. And she was just really sweet. I mean, always reached out. You know, just uh, amazing. You know, and, and, and as a sense of pride, you, you would appreciate the fact that just five minutes ago, I was riding up the Lodge Freeway, now named after Aretha Franklin. And I'll tell you who else, Smokey Robinson. Mm. Smokey Robinson would come and... I just would be, so it was like I was an adult and a kid. He came to see me uh, a bunch of times, but I remember when he came to see Porgy and Bess on Broadway, and there's a picture of me. I should have sent it to you guys. I was sitting there like, I can't, man, I can't. Because he said, and he's another one. He said, man, listen, David, you're one of Detroit's finest, man. I'm always going to support you. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> it was crazy, man. These guys that I idolized and that just brought me into the fold. And it was awesome, you know, getting that love. And Smokey's still out there, brother. Right, a legend, still looking look, good, still clean. Street, look better than me. All of that, all of that. The Temptations were playing in New York and they invited me up. They said, come sing with us. And you know, I couldn't get out of my seat, man. I couldn't, I was petrified. I'm like, not, not, let me just sit here and enjoy y'all. I'm, I'm gonna ruin the show. Cause I was not prepared. I couldn't remember no words and everything. And they were like, man, you know, why do you come up? I was Imagine. like, no, man, come on, you do your Absolutely. show. Yeah. But one thing people may not know about you also is that you're in a motorcycle. I have a, I have a garage full of motorcycles, man. And probably mostly they're older now. Uh, older Ducatis, and I don't drive, ride those, uh, the Harleys, the Hogs. But real quick, when I was a kid, when the Black Motorcycle Clubs were rolling, mm -hmm. uh, you could hear them coming down 14th. No doubt. Uh, all the kids, we'd run out and stand on the side. So these would be all Black Motorcycle Clubs, mm -hmm. and they would roll for blocks, you know, they'd be like 50, mm -hmm. rolling hard. Now, back in the day, the wildest dude was the guy that was on the tri the, the three-wheel bike, because they always brought up the rear. Mm -hmm. And with a crazy Viking helmet or something like that, that was crazy. Because, you know, nowadays, that's old dudes. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a motorized wheelchair. But back in the day, oh, those were the soldiers, man. Those right. were the soldiers. These dudes were the baddest. So I remember 
those black motorcycle clubs. And, and as a kid, I didn't really know the history of black motorcycle clubs. A lot of them were um, veterans, you know, from the Korean War, World War II, and uh, Vietnam War. But uh, that was big fun. We never knew when they'd be coming. We just heard, you know, but I'm a big fan, man. So I got a bunch of bikes like that. I don't ride as much as I used to because now I got two big dogs. I have a daughter. I got a family, you know, be riding out like that. And, I look at them. And, and as you make reference to military, a soldier's play, my brother, you were nominated four times. Yeah. 40 years of acting. Yeah. You won a Tony Award. Congratulations, brother. What was that like you for you? You know, um, first of all, to do a soldier's play. I first did the play in 1983. There's a actor I was roommates with, Reg E. Kathy. He was an actor. And he called me up and he said, listen, man, we all knew about uh, the play. He didn't want to pull a surprise. And, and he said, listen, there's a part in this play that I'm not right for, but you should go get this, man. It was for C.J. Memphis. He sang and everything. So you can do this. So again, I called up. I went in, auditioned for Douglas Turner Ward, got the role. So I was in there with Adolf. That's where I met mm. Denzel Washington. All of us were Sam Jackson. We shared the dressing room. And I told this story. So Sam Jackson in 1984 was Sam Jackson now. It's just a world head. And I tell you, there was no difference. No difference in his personality. He was exactly the same back then as he is now. And he controlled the dressing room. He was in the corner. <laughs> and he had this little black and white TV that was like 12 inches. They had it up on the, all the way stuck in the corner. And they would watch Family Feud. Mm. And, but this is all Sam Jackson, Adolf Caesar, all these black folks. They say, name your favorite um, dessert go and it'd be like you know tapioca pudding <laughs> tapioca pudding well, what's wrong with you man i mean that's what we're talking back and forth it was crazy it was crazy man it was crazy we watched that it was on heavy rotation this came on every day it was a running commentary man you about to ruin my tapioca ain't nobody hey hey you ever had no tapioca pudding he said nah i knew a guy named tapioca it was like a comedy show, man. So I was in there like six months. It was amazing. And so we went right in and did the movie. Sam didn't get in the movie. Uh, his part was kind of cut down. So you got a badge. I'm like, damn, poor Sam. I wonder what's going to happen to him. I mean, you know, I got in there. Denzel got in there. Harry Riley, Adolf. So we went from, so that's really rare people. Cause usually when you do a play, right. it takes years for them to buy it, develop it, mm -hmm. get a script. No, man, they had Norman Jewish and we were in there right through. We did the movie. It was a big hit. Um, I even thought that Soldier's Play had been on Broadway. It was off Broadway. So a couple of years ago, Kenny Leon, who I'd worked with, I know, he called me up. And I, it was, this is how, this is how the universe, this is how God works. I was sitting in this parking lot thinking, well, you know, if I were going to do a play, it would have to be, it would have to be one of these things where 
I have to do it. Mm-hmm. You understand? There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. I need to change my life, rearrange my life so I can do this. And so Kenny calls. I said, hello. He said, hey, Daniel. And my heart started beating. Because, you know, whenever Kenny calls, I know it's something, man. He's going to get me caught out there. He said, what you doing? I was like, oh, man. I was like, Kenny, what's going on, man? He said, well, we're doing Soldier's Play. And we're doing it on Broadway. And I was like, but I thought it had already been on Broadway. He said, no. As a matter of fact, this is the first time in history it'll be on Broadway. Then my heart's pounding. And I said, yeah. And uh, he said, I'm doing it. And I want to know if you'd like to do the play. And I was trying to find out. <laughs> I don't want to join your band, man. I don't want to play bass. I don't want to sing background. So I said, yeah, I don't know, man. My schedule's crazy. And he said, well, it's going to be a limited run. That's struck that down. He said, we're going to go right after Thanksgiving be out by March, which in Hollywood, that's where everything shuts down. That knocked that out. I was like, oh man, he got me. And I said, yeah, but what part? He said, the Sergeant Course, Sergeant Waters. And I said, let me think about it, man. He said, really? I just had to get off the phone because I knew I was going to say yes. I said, he gathered my my head, man. And so I started running this. I said, I got to do it. I mean, in a nutshell, I never thought that I would be connected to this play, this piece of work like this. And it was one of those times to do this. So we were off and running, man. And there I was again. So what happened, um, we sold we, we acquired the rights and uh, set up a, um, a, a deal with Sony Pictures to develop it as a limited series. And basically what we're doing is it's kind of an origin piece because if you've ever seen the play or the movie, there's so many flashbacks when Waters talks about the world he grew up in, what his dad told him, how it used to be, how they used to handle troops and how it was like going back to Europe. And every night when I'll do the play, I wanted to know more about that i wanted to see that world Mm -hmm. uh these black soldiers um uh fighting in world war one what was the quad of guerre you know what was it like them marching and having flowers thrown at their feet by these european men and women and so that's what we're going to really crack open uh to set you up so that we're right ready to to walk right into the play you understand all that so that's kind of what we're doing. And it all came to a head. But with that being said, you know, I was sitting there. I'd had a great week, Jalen. I went to the best restaurant. I was with the best girl in the beautiful hotel, you know. And I said, this night's going to be great. Don't you know? They called my name. And I had to wait. Because the one thing I didn't want to do is David Allen Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I waited, and then when I started, then I I, I ran to the stage because, like I said, well, I gotta get to the stage because I was in the back because they're gonna shut the mic off on me. Crazy. So if you watch the film, people are trying to hug me, and there are two things going. I said, "Don't give me COVID," and I'm going to stage. So I look like I'm running a football play because I'm like, ah, mm, "Oh, oh!" Sometimes I these people, but I see these faces that I know they're trying to hug me, and I got on that stage. And, uh, you know, it's great. I don't care what anybody tells you. It's fun, yeah. man. It feels good. 
Yes. It's a special thing. And, and like you said, I, I said, you know, I've been acting 40 years, but what I cut myself off because I would have started, you know, crying and stuff, but, and I wanted to finish my speech, but I wanted to say that it didn't feel like 40 years. It was so much fun. I had, it was such an incredible journey, man, that no, it wasn't, I've been suffering for 40 years. No, man, it was like crazy, a crazy ride that went by like that. And here I am. So yeah, it was all that stuff. I feel real grateful. I'm glad I won it this time and not when I was 25, because mm. I'd have been a mess. <laughs> <laughs> But where's your Tony now, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I know you get dudes coming to you, man. I, I can beat you. I can beat that time when y'all came to Cody, or that time we played at Saint Cecilia. You remember that time I crossed you over? <laughs> come on, what, what we gonna do now, Jalen Rose? One on one. Come on. <laughs> You're like, man, please stop. Oh, man, but you're a legend, my brother. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm forever grateful for your leadership and how you represent our city, how you represent yourself, how you represent your family name. And before I let you get out of here, though, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. Yo! Do this. Yes. Name your favorite living color sketch of all time. I must say it was the Prison Cable Channel Network. <laughs> I missed the first year because that was the sketch that the whole cast, the whole cast, we performed together, and nothing was more fun than that. Keenan, because Keenan, you know, he would be sitting in the big tower, but he played the death row comic, you know, and all you saw was his lips. He'd be like, I'm dying in here. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Jim Carrey, we all played on that together. So that was my favorite. Name sketch. one player musical on Broadway you would like to start. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm going to say, uh, probably Othello, man, just because I could wear them robes and, you know, pontificate and uh, be a black man doing Shakespeare. I heard that Renaissance man family. Y'all heard that. Stay yeah. tuned. We're going to put that in the atmosphere. That'll be a good look right there. That is a good look. How about this? If you could start a motorcycle club, what would the name be and what would you have as the logo on the vest? It would be the Black Squirrels, man. The Black Squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like, I can't lie. And this is a Detroit thing because we have Black Squirrels and they don't have them nowhere else, it seems like. And I'm like, they're undefeated. Listen to me. People think I'm lying to this day when I tell people we have Black Squirrels in Detroit. Now here's the kicker. They only live on Belle Isle and around Belle Isle. They all black. I <laughs> <laughs> never seen them nowhere. I looked it up. They can't explain it. I was like, okay, well they're black. Okay. But why only on Belle Isle? They were like, well that's what they want that. I never seen them nowhere else. The black, the black squirrels. And lastly, but certainly not least, mm -hmm. who is an up-and-coming comedian and or actor that you're kind of blown away by that 
we should put on our radar? Well, there's a guy, I mean, people know DC Young Fly, uh, Black folks do, but I'm impressed by him because he's this dude, I saw him play drums. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. He just worked with my friend Tasha Smith on Black Mafia Family. He, he's an actor, he's a comedian. Uh, he smooth knocked this dude out. It's, you gotta go on the internet. It, like, he looked like Sugar Ray Robinson and then stood there and talked for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Bam! You know, me and you, I'd be like, oh, he came in. I mean, I'd be like LeBron last night. But I would, yeah. uh, no, the dude, smooth knockout. So this guy, I love him. I love his uh, flavor, man. I mean, he's just coming. And uh, he is set, I think, to ascend on an international level mm -hmm. you know there's one thing, oh yeah, yeah i saw you i saw i saw you jailing mm -hmm. in the park but no getting rings and stuff like that dc young fly has now and next you heard it from icon yeah. david allen greer i'm forever grateful my brother that you took the time to join me look forward to seeing you soon absolutely let's kick it man keep absolutely. doing that. All, all love Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank David Allen Greer for stopping by the podcast. But before I let you guys go, you know I got to ask this question. What are you guys New Year's resolutions? I'll tell you mine real quick. It takes courage to be happy. Let that sink in for a second. This episode is about what? Laughter. My New Year's resolution is just that. Laugh now, cry later. Appreciate the joys in life, but not take anything for granted. Don't say, oh, I got to work today. Say, I get to work today. It's a mental shift. I've been doing it. It makes me feel good. Try it. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Tell a friend to try it. It's worked for me. And so I ask, how are you looking to better yourself in the new year? Remember, stay focused and tune out any extra noise. This is the year you get what you want, but you got to make it happen. What the new year brings you will largely depend on what you bring the new year. Find the hidden opportunities in each day and make each day count. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.